Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Star George. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Toronto Church. And if this is your first time visiting with us, uh, welcome. We are so glad that you could be here with us. Uh, if, if you're just joining us, we have been in a sermon series looking at the book of Ephesians, uh, specifically looking at the gospel's implications for everyday life. We believe that all of Scripture, all of the Bible, is for all of God's people. And yet sometimes we find that uh, God's Word speaks specifically and particularly to certain groups of people, as is the case in our sermon and passage today, which means that I need to speak to certain groups of people and certain particular uh, demographics. That being said, we ask you to please respectfully uh, stay tuned and listen in because we're going to see that this has applications for all of us, even if you aren't in that particular stage of life. You have your uh, scripture reading with you. If you turn to the back of the bulletin, we're going to read from Ephesians, and to read for us is Melissa. Please give your attention to the reading of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Melissa. I recently uh, stumbled upon an interesting quote from an unknown author. It reads, It's not a parent's job to have godly children. It's a parent's job to make sure that their children have godly parents. Hmm. I've been thinking about that a lot this week as I've reflected on my own parenting and the life of my family. Indeed, if you've been tracking with us, Paul has been teaching us that the whole church, the whole church is God's family. We are family. We may not all be parents, but the truth is that we are all children of somebody. And as individual families within the church family, Paul wants to teach us this morning that we have certain obligations to each other. In our passage today, as we'll see, Paul invites us to consider two things. First, how Christians should treat their parents. And second, how Christians should treat their children. How do we treat our parents? And how do we treat our children? Those are our two points. We're going to look at them from the passage. Well, if you're just joining us, Paul has spent the first half of the book telling these Ephesians about the gospel. He has summarized how we have been forgiven of our sins, reconciled to God, and now adopted into God's new family through Jesus Christ. He has summarized that by believing the gospel, we have been saved from our former ways of life and have been transformed by God's Spirit into new people with new power, who are free to live a radically new life. And over the last several weeks, Paul has been describing what this new life entails. Namely, how every aspect of our public and private lives are being renewed by the gospel. If you were here last Sunday, Paul began by exploring the gospel's implications for life in the home. He taught us about the marriage relationship between husbands and wives and how we ought to relate to each other. And this morning, he wants to teach us about the family relationship between parents and their children. Look at me at our text. It begins by, in verse 1 by speaking to children. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. 
Now, there aren't a lot of places in the Bible where children are spoken to directly. I want you to see that Paul regards them as integral members of the church. He anticipates that they would be reading and listening to the Word alongside the adults, that they would even be raised in families and churches that teach them the Bible. So, children, I want to take a moment to address you specifically with the Word. And for all the adults in the room, I want you to take a moment to listen in because we will circle back to you. For the youth who are here with us in the service and the elementary kids who are listening downstairs, we're really glad that you are here. I want you to know that the Lord loves you and He expects big things from you. You are called, Paul says, to obey your parents in the Lord and honor them. And as a congregation, we are called to help you and encourage you to do that well. This word translated obey in the Bible means to listen under. Paul is reminding you that you are under the loving care and authority of your parents. Parents whom God has given you to shape you, teach you, and guide you in the Christian faith. He is saying that their care and instruction is a reflection of God's care and instruction. And so you are to listen to them and obey. Now, Paul doesn't ask you to do that because your parents are older, wiser, or more capable than you are. Their competency in parenting has nothing to do with this command. You obey them for no other reason except that God commands it and it pleases him. Paul says it's right. Do you follow me? I know from experience that as you grow up, you will constantly feel like your parents don't understand you, or they're out of touch, or they're maybe too strict. And listen, you might even be right. Your parents are not perfect, and that's okay. You have to understand that God is working on shaping their character and conduct through their parenting of you, just like He's working on shaping your character and conduct through your obedience to them. Allow God to be God and do that work in each of you. As we're going to see later, your mom and dad have a huge responsibility to parent you well, and they will one day have to answer to God for how well they did that. So children, extend grace to your parents. Allow them to love you, even through those things that seem really hard to accept, like their instruction and discipline. Honor your parents. Because by doing so, you will actually be honoring God. Listen to your parents. Like, really listen to what they have to say. Don't lose your temper on them. Don't ignore them or shut them out. When you wrong them, and you will, learn to own it. Learn to own it. Develop a habit in your family of asking for forgiveness and granting forgiveness when you hurt each other. Affirm your parents. Tell them the things that you really appreciate about them and express your gratitude. Encourage your parents also. They are prone to a lot of self-doubt. Help them know that you see them and that they are becoming the kind of people whom God has attended. Now, that's a lot of responsibility, children. I know, I know. But I am treating you like an adult because Paul sees you as a child who is maturing into a young adult. This is your gospel responsibility before the Lord. Now, to every one of us else in the congregation who is not of a childlike age, I hope you've been listening. 
You are no longer considered a child, but you probably have parents who are still in your life. And Paul's teaching applies to you also. Paul's speaking to the whole congregation in verse 2 says this, Honor your father and mother. This is the commandment. And notice how he transitions from verse 1 to 2. He's saying that the command for children to obey their parents is really just an application of this larger principle to honor one's parents. You may remember that this is one of the commandments given to the people of Israel as they become a nation. It is a commandment given to all people, all people, regardless of age. For children, God asks you to honor your parents primarily through obedience. For adults, God still asks you to honor your parents. But he doesn't use the word obedience. Why is that? Well, scholars think that this requirement to obey parents is reserved primarily for those who are underage. Paul is not saying that a person's coming of age is suddenly licensed to be disobedient. No, no, not at all. Rather, I think he's saying that a person's coming of age and maturity allows them to think and reason spiritually, maybe on par with their parents, and determine important matters of life. Do you understand? I think what Paul envisions here is strong Christian households where the faith is being practiced well. When you are a child, you are meant to obey your parents because in some way, in God's providence, they are modeling to you what it means to obey a higher authority. And that is God. But when you become an adult, you no longer have that same requirement to obey your parents because you have presumably learned from them what it means to obey God directly of your own accord. Now, as an adult, the Bible simply commands you to honor your parents. And Paul goes on to tell us why. In verses 2 to 3, he writes, Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live a long life in the land. He's quoting from the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament. You see that? You may remember that the commandment to honor one's parents is the fifth commandment, but is the first one that appears with a promise. He's saying that when God's people honor their parents, they really show, they really show that they honor God. And God rewards those who keep this commandment. He seems to bless them in certain discernible and indiscernible ways, with His favor and a certain amount of prosperity, well-being, and even life. If you're here and explain the Christian faith, I think you would agree that individuals and families are, in general, better for obeying these biblical principles. Studies are unanimous, I think, that overall health of individual families contributes positively to the overall health of a society as a whole. Families where parents love and raise their children well, and where children honor and obey their parents seems to, in general, produce better outcomes for neighborhoods and communities. And conversely, we also know that a great many issues in our society today stem from the fact that people come from broken, dysfunctional, and troubled homes. Paul is saying that there are certain tangible benefits and blessings that come from obeying God in this area of family life. So, how do we practice obedience to God in this area? How should adult children honor their parents? I want to suggest four practical ways to apply this teaching based on what we know from Scripture. 
First, listen to your parents. Listen to your parents. Your parents have a good advice to give, and you ought to receive it well. It's possible that you won't like everything that you have to say. But honoring your parents, especially Christian parents, means that you prayerfully consider what they have to say and whether it actually makes sense. As an adult, you are no longer obligated to obey your parents, but that's not to say that their advice is not worth obeying any longer. So listen to them carefully. Second, speak well of them. Speak well of them. Don't badmouth your parents. Respect them and esteem them in front of your friends and especially in front of your partner. If you're married or looking to marry, I want to tell you that your spouse will automatically learn to treat your parents in the same way that you do. If you disrespect your parents, you consciously give your spouse and partner license to do the same. Your family will take cues from you. So set a good example. If you have children, know that they are watching you. They will learn to treat you in the same way that they see you treat your parents. Maybe that sounds crazy to you, but I've seen it happen. So be diligent and speak well of your parents. Third, keep in touch with them. Keep in touch with them. Many of us don't live very close to our parents, and sometimes we can get really caught up in the busyness of our own lives. Honoring your parents means making time to talk with them and encourage them often. It means setting aside time and money to visit them, write to them, and be available. Be available. It involves remembering, maybe, important dates like birthdays, anniversaries, and making time to celebrate those. I have to tell you that it is a sad state of affairs in our country that there are so many elderly people in care homes who are desperately lonely because they don't have children who will visit them. Ray Strano, you can do better. For the sake of the gospel, you must do better. Honor your parents by staying in touch. And fourth, provide for them. Provide for them. Some of us have aging parents who aren't able to do all the things they used to once. They may be in need of financial support, physical help, or even just some simple wisdom about everyday things. In the same way that your parents once provided for you and looked after you, you now have the responsibility of caring for them. Don't neglect that duty or shy away from it. Life is surely complex, and I'm not saying that you have to solve every problem that your aging parents are dealing with. But I am saying that you ought to at least be involved. You can do that. You can do that. If you need help or you're not sure how to navigate that, talk to someone on our diaconate or our pastoral staff. We'd love to help you think through how you can serve your parents better. And listen, I know that for some of us here, the idea of honoring our parents feels really, really difficult. Some of us grew up in some really heartbreaking family situations with significant relational trauma. Maybe you're sitting here and wondering, how can God possibly ask me to honor my mother or father after what I've been through? Is it even possible to honor manipulative parents, negligent parents, adulterous parents, absentee parents, 
What about abusive parents? Look, there are no easy answers to those questions, but I am convinced that if you've come from any of those family situations, you can still honor your parents. How? You can forgive them. You can forgive them just as your heavenly Father has forgiven you and empowers you by His Spirit to forgive others. You can pray for them. You can ask the Lord to effect real change, repentance, and transformation in their lives. Jesus tells us in the Gospels to pray for our enemies. And for some of us, I would imagine that aptly describes our relationship with our parents. I would ask you to entrust that complicated relationship to God and consider what He might ask you to do with it. Who knows? God may even give you an opportunity one day to reconcile with a parent if it's safe or wise for you to do so. You know, I can't speak for God, but perhaps in His wisdom, that might be another way that He might call you to honor your parents one day. Listen, none of the things I've described today are easy. I realize that. But I have personally seen the gospel change and transform familial relationships with the kind of power that Paul has been writing to us about. So wherever you are in your relationship with your parents, I invite you to consider how the Lord might use you for good. Paul wants to encourage us to treat our parents with honor, with honor. Not necessarily because they deserve it, but because in doing so, we ultimately honor God. This is his first point. You know, secondly, Paul also asks us to consider how we treat our children. Look with me at the text. It begins in verse 4 by addressing fathers. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, you might be wondering, why is Paul zeroing in on fathers only? What about mothers? Aren't they just as important? That's a great question. And I want to suggest that Paul is intentionally speaking to fathers for at least two reasons. One has to do with culture and the other with theology. Culturally, you have to know that the ancient world in Paul's time was highly patriarchal. Fathers in Paul's day had unlimited power over their children. You see, children were like slaves. They were like slaves, and they were considered property of the father. He could punish them sell them, work them with hard manual labor, and even put them to death if he so chose. The point really is this. Paul is highlighting the conduct of fathers here specifically because God wants these Christian fathers to be different from the examples in their culture. You see that? That's the first reason. The second reason has to do with theology. If you refer back to Ephesians 5, you may remember that the Bible positions the husband as the head of his household. In teaching that, Paul is not saying that the husband is of greater value or ability than his wife. Don't don't misunderstand me. But he is saying that God has structured and organized the home in such a way that men are called to lead their wives and families. Pastor Kingsley spent a good chunk of time looking at this idea last Sunday, and so I'd encourage you to listen to his message from Ephesians 5. Now, for our purposes today, we don't have time to get into all those same details again today. 
But I want to suggest that what Paul is doing here is simply highlighting that family principle from earlier in his letter. As the husband is the head of his marriage, so too must the father also be the head of his family. Do you follow me? Paul is not saying that mothers are exempt from this teaching or that this subject of parenting doesn't concern them. No, not at all. We'll get to that. But Paul is saying that fathers bear the primary responsibility for raising children in the eyes of the Lord. And you can't get around that fact. The Bible recognizes the authority of both parents equally. Both mothers and fathers deserve equal obedience and honor. No question. You can see that clearly in this text. But when the Word of God speaks to the development of children, listen, it speaks to you, fathers. It speaks to you, fathers. There is an epidemic of disengaged fathers in our culture today that seriously needs to change. In fact, I know that there are many of us sitting here this morning who have felt the impact of that growing up in our respective homes. Fathers, your role in the family consists of more than just putting food on the table. Being present with your children is more important than climbing the ladder at work or going out with your friends or getting stuck in your personal hobbies. Grace Toronto, I know that in many of our homes there are mothers who are doing all the heavy lifting for their children. They are making meals, buying clothes, doing laundry, spending time with the kids, teaching the faith, and reading dozens of books and articles about good parenting. Fathers, your wives' ability to juggle these things does not give you a free pass. God does not simply ask you to be involved. God commands you to lead. And you are to lead your family, Paul says, by bringing up your children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Verse 4. Now, it's important to note that Paul's not speaking about discipline and instruction in a general sense, but in a sense that is of the Lord. He's asking fathers to instruct their children so they know and understand what God commands of them. And he's also asking fathers to correct their children so that they know and understand when they disobey what God commands. In other words, fathers, your job, your job is to develop your child's full potential in the Lord. Mothers, for all intents and purposes, your job is the same. And I know you do it valiantly. However, where there are two parents in a home, Paul reminds us that at the end of the day, God holds your husband accountable. And you can too. And you should too. In my home, my wife is the one who constantly reminds me that I need to do better with my son. I know that I'm tasked with certain responsibilities as a father. But in God's providence, it is Kathy who often reminds me and helps me take that responsibility seriously. Mothers, you can do that with your husbands. Fathers, make sure you listen to your wives. They are equal partners in this task of parenting. So pay attention. You need each other. 
and God intends for couples to work this out together in the context of their home. Because look, Paul doesn't really tell us very much about how we are to instruct our children or how we are to discipline them. Each of our kids are so very different and they have different needs. I think that's why Paul doesn't give us a lot of instruction about parenting. But he does give us a template for what this should look like practically. Let me show you. Look with me at verse 4. This phrase translated to bring up comes from the Greek word ektrepho. It might surprise you to hear that Paul used this word last week in Ephesians 5.29 when he spoke about marriage. It is a word that is used to describe how the husband nourishes and cherishes his wife, just as Christ does the church, which means this. Fathers, you are to exemplify the same level of tenderness and care for your children as you do for your wives. Fathers and mothers, you are to exemplify the same level of tenderness and care for your children as Christ does for His church. It's so important that you see that. Paul is saying, have this mindset as you seek to instruct and discipline your children in the Lord. He's basically asking you to consider, how does Christ raise the people of his church? Because that should tell you how you ought to raise your children in the home. Remember, Paul has been telling us how God the Father has created a new family now through Jesus Christ. God is a cosmic parent, and you and I are simply under parents. God is looking after his global family, that is the church, and he has, in his wisdom, given to you your own little family to oversee also. Which means this. Parents, you are an image of God in some sense to your children. You are to be modeling the faith in such a way that through receiving your instruction and your discipline, your children might understand something about the goodness and grace of their heavenly Father. That is your responsibility as parents. You are training your children, not just so that they would obey and honor you, but that through learning from you and walking in your ways, they would ultimately learn to obey and honor the Lord. That's what this is about. The point really is this. God disciplines all his children for their good. And that's why you are to do the same for your children, for their good. Now, how you do that is ultimately up to you, but Paul is saying that it should be fair and reasonable. You shouldn't be overly lax because God is righteous and just with his children. But neither should you be overly strict because God is also gracious and merciful with his children. I think it's for this reason that Paul writes to us clearly, don't provoke your children to anger, verse 4. Don't do it. He's not saying that your children should never be angry or upset when they are disciplined, by the way. (laughs) Any parent knows that if that were the case, there would be no point of any discipline. (laughs) So you know the word translated provoke to anger is not a common expression in the New Testament. It actually occurs in the Old Testament, and it describes God's own righteous anger over Israel's sin. That's what it does. Meaning to say, the kind of anger Paul is describing here is the kind that is justified in your child. 
It is a righteous anger that a child should feel when a parent disciplines in a way that is unbecoming of the gospel, whether through aggression, humiliation, cruelty, manipulation, or excessive control. I think it's true that fathers as well as mothers can sometimes fall into these patterns of parenting. Paul wants us to exercise self-control. Again, I would remind you of how God brings up the people of this church. Parents, you are to follow that example. If you are here today and you found yourself trying to control your children through any of those means, I want you to repent of that. I want you to repent of that. The gospel calls you to be different. And through the power of God's Spirit, you can be a better father and you can be a better mother. There's hope for you if you will take this to heart. Parents, this is a call for you to take very seriously the task that God has given to you. It's not a small thing. It really matters. In fact, it is entirely possible that your greatest contribution to the kingdom may just be the son or daughter who you help raise in the faith. So take it seriously. Take it seriously. We talked a bit about how you ought to discipline your children in the Lord, and I want to talk briefly now about how you instruct your children in the Lord. Parents, I need to tell you that your walk with the Lord has implications for how your children learn to walk with the Lord. It is only a person who receives instruction from the Lord gladly and often who is then able to pass it on well to their kids. You cannot impart to your children what you don't possess yourself. You can't do it. If you don't have a practice of being in the Word and prayer regularly as an individual and as a family, you will struggle to teach your children to do the same. If you don't make a habit of coming out to church regularly or being invested in small groups or serving others, what kind of faith will you be modeling to your children? These are just a handful of ways that God has ordained that we might receive His instruction so we might adequately live the Christian life and pass it on well to our children. If you neglect these kinds of opportunities for yourself and your family, it is your children who will be most affected. You need wisdom from God's Word. So make it a priority to read it and let it shape your behavior, speech, and thinking towards your kids. You need wisdom from God's church to learn from others in the community who have children or who work with children. Maybe other parents ahead of you, teachers, grandparents, elders, kids' ministry volunteers, and staff. Parents, God will help you bring up your children, but you must do your part. You must do your part. Congregation, you have a part to play also. I said I would come to you. You have a part to play also. The church is a family. And a family cares for each of its members, especially its children. Every time we baptize a new baby, our pastors ask you this question. 
We ask you, do you as the congregation of Grace Toronto undertake the responsibility of assisting these parents in the Christian nurture of their child? You answered, we do. So let me tell you, here's a really great opportunity for you to make good on your vows. I want you to consider how you can be serving the families of this church. You might consider volunteering in our kids' ministry or intentionally forming a discipleship relationship with a youth here. You need to know that statistically, one of the main contributors to why children remain in the faith is that they can identify at least two adults, at least two adults outside of the family who are intentionally invested and interested in their spiritual journey. Grace Toronto, there are 400 plus adults in our church. We can do that for the 70 boys and girls at this church. That is in our power to do. Students, married couples, singles, I'd ask you to take an interest in at least one family with kids in our church. Find ways to serve them. Learn from them about what's really difficult right now. Encourage them. Pray for them. Help them to know that you see them. Build a relationship with their kids. Let's be a church family that ministers to these families. Because listen, this is what the family of God is supposed to look like. We take our cues from the Lord himself, and in our lives we are engaged in nothing more than modeling this very gospel. Don't you see? What is this teaching to us if not a picture of the gospel? You see, God is the father behind all fathers, and Jesus is the son behind all sons. In the gospel, we see a picture of the perfect parent and the perfect child. Jesus honored and obeyed his father in everything where we could not. He lived the perfect life of obedience that you and I could never live. And although he committed no wrong, the Bible says that it was he, it was he who was disciplined on our behalf. Because at the cross, Jesus endured all of God's anger and displeasure against our sin, all of our disobedience. He did it, men and women, because he was determined to reconcile us to our heavenly Father and adopt us into God's own family. You see, it is through Christ's obedience to his Father that he secured the fulfillment of what Paul promises in verse 2. It is a better promise, the promise of a longer, more beautiful life than God's people could ever have imagined. It is an eternal life in the new heavens and the new earth intended for all God's children who put their faith and trust in him. Do you see it now? Do you see it? If you have trusted in Jesus, you are a child of God. And being a child of God impacts both how you honor your earthly parents and how you now raise your own children in the faith. So may the Lord bless you and help you as you do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this teaching about families. We ask that you would make us a stronger, better church family. 
that we would minister to parents and we would minister to children and that there would be many disciples raised up in this church. We ask for the power of your spirit to help us obey you in all of these ways, to help us reconcile, forgive, encourage, affirm, and serve each other well for the good of the gospel and the glory of Jesus. In his name, amen. Well, we have some time for some questions, if there are any, and uh, Stephen's going to help me out with that. Thank you, Tark, uh, for your sermon. Uh, we have two, and you did touch on both these questions, but I think it'll help uh, all of us just to uh, hear from you again uh, as you answer these questions. So here's the first question. How does this teaching apply to those with non-Christian parents? Where do you draw the line of obeying and honoring them versus doing what the Word says and what God communicates to you? Thanks, Stephen. That's a great question. Um, I, as I mentioned in, in the sermon, this, this, the, the reason we honor our parents is not because they are necessarily deserving of that honor, because uh, the reason we do this is because by honoring parents, we really show that we honor God and what He has said to us in His Word. Uh, what does that mean for obedience and honoring of parents? I, I think uh, Christian and non-Christian parents have good wisdom to share with us. I, I don't think that's reserved for just Christian parents. In God's common grace, He gives wisdom uh, and good, good equipping to all parents in some sense. So we have to, we have to, we all have to square with that. So I don't think this is saying that uh, that you are not to obey or honor your parents somehow if they are not Christian. Not at all. I don't think that. Uh, that honors God. I think there's a way in which um, I think there's a way in which the faith commands you to honor and obey God first, and what your parents are meant to do is uh, parent you in a way that is consistent with that. So, hope that's helpful. Thank you. Uh, and the next question is uh, this: What are the qualifiers on a minor child's obligation to obey their parents? Uh, uh, example is: What about abusive uh, situations? Mm. I heard uh, you say honoring could involve reconciliation later in life, but what about in the immediate moment for that child? I want to be very clear that um, there are things that happen in the church and in the world that are not healthy and are not good within God's design for a family. And so if you are in a home where you are being abused or you are being uh, manipulated or controlled in some way that is not uh, becoming of the gospel, uh, I'd ask you to seek help, actually. That, that's not a situation that I believe God wants you to be in. I think we need to take responsibility for those things. That is for a minor. If you are an adult and that's um, something that you've grown up with, as we talked about, uh, there may be a way for you to um, extend forgiveness to your parent. There may be a way for you to pray for them um, and maybe even approach a conversation with them if it's safe or wise for you to do so. But I, I'm not saying that if you are in a family right now where you're being harmed or there's, uh, there's some, uh, some sort of abuse that's happening that you ought to be quiet and submissive to that, not at all. Uh, please, please seek help if, if that is the case. Yeah, yeah. that's everything. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, we're gonna have an opportunity now to respond to God's word through song, so please rise if you can to worship.